Good morning, everyone. Today's Bible reading is from three different passages. So the first one is from Genesis chapter 18, 1 to 10. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favour in your eyes, my lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed, and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sears of fine flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There, in the tent, he said. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Genesis chapter 18, verse 22 to 25. The men turned away and went towards Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? Hebrew, chapter 13, verse 1 to 3. Keep on loving each other as brothers. Do not forget to entertain strangers. For by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. This is the word of our Lord. Now I understand we have a, a, a late change from uh, Regina. You want to do something with the slides, do you? You want to connect your laptop? I think we've got them all here, if, if that's okay. Any problems, we'll fix it. Welcome to Regino. We look forward to uh, the word from you, brother. Thank you.
Good morning to you all. I'll uh, try not to put my laptop up too high. You won't be able to see my face. I'm a bit of a, a shorty, but that's okay. Um, it's a pleasure to be with you all today. And the reason why I'm here is, uh, as the title of Voice of the Martyrs mentions, is to be a voice for our brothers and sisters who are persecuted all around the world, sometimes mercilessly, as we saw in the movie last night. Some of you may have been profoundly challenged. In fact, I've watched that movie about 15 times this year, and there's always something that strikes a chord uh, with what our brothers and sisters go through. But God's grace is greater, and there's amazing testimonies that come out of these deepest, darkest depths of evil. And so I just wanted to edify the church with that. I'm almost sure there's a lot of brothers and sisters here who have persevered through a lot of difficulty in their faith, even to be in Australia. It's uh, the migration and, and it's relevant to our passage today in Genesis 18. So I, I wanted to honour you. Uh, I'm not someone that, I, I probably lived more of a privileged life. I came here when I was nine years old from South Africa. And my mum's side's uh, Filipino-Spanish and my dad's side's Dutch-English. So I've got a bit of a mixed culture there, uh, but I always blame my mum's side for me, maybe still looking like I'm 18 years old when I'm, when I'm 31, so in case you're trying to guess. Yeah, it's Filipino genes. <laughs> the title of my message today is Why Standing with Persecuted Christians Matters to Jesus. Um, I'm almost sure there's a lot of wise people that have done a lot more Bible study than most of the young millennials today would understand this, this prompting or this question. Um, but I wanted to maybe ask you one question. If you would be able to summarize, this actually came to me while I was driving up this morning. If you were to summarize driving in Sydney's traffic in one word or two words, what would you say? Horrendous, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and a lot of the times that can cause us frustration and difficulty. Um, I'll tell you one quick story of me driving down the mountain. Voice of the Martyrs' office is in uh, Lawson, so, and it was originally first planted in Blackheath, and driving down, trying to merge uh, on, a, on a road that has no light signals, so you've got to judge carefully, especially when it's raining. And I was merging into the far left lane to go down the mountain, and, uh, you know, I, I thought I was going at a reasonable pace, but the lady in the right lane didn't think so, and she proceeded to give me what she was thinking in her car. Uh, funny enough, on the stickers on the back of her window, on a windscreen, I, I saw a lot of New Age and, and witchcraft stickers. And you can imagine, and I, I had a bit of grace for her then, that she didn't know the Lord, but sometimes... I think the challenge for us is there's a lot of people with that Jesus fish symbol on the back of their car with a sticker, um, and sometimes how we may respond if the person in the other car knows that we are Christian or not. But also, in fact, like we see in Genesis 18, that maybe when the cameras aren't turned off and when the mic is still on, uh, the Lord's hear, uh, ear is attentive to how we react, will we still react in the same way if we knew that uh, the Lord was 
near, but also that we had stickers of proclaiming to be a Christian on our car. Um, and that frustration can be real, but uh, I think Genesis 18 will reveal a test that is unknown, it's unannounced to Abraham that the Lord is going to visit him. And so for us, there could be many tests in our daily life, including in Sydney traffic, of how the Lord wants us to respond and be hospitable to those who do not know him. It's a test for sure for all of us. Um, as we move on to the next slide, we've already read through well, the font. I'm not too sure if you can read that, but we'll read it together. It's a little bit small. Um, but if we can read that together, uh, just to give a bit of context and a background, to continue to remember those in prison as if you yourselves were in prison with them and those who were mistreated as if you were going through their same sufferings, for you are in the body also. This is an exhortation, as we understand the book of Hebrews, to be given to a church that's going through persecution themselves. They're actually going through some sort of suffering, and he highlights that in chapter 10, verse 32 onwards, that they've gone through great ordeals, but to hold fast because Jesus is our high and great priest. He also says in, in chapter 12 that they have not gone to the point of suffering yet to lose their own blood. So them to persevere, knowing that God is faithful to deliver them. This is the context of the mindset of who he's writing to, but also in that area or that culture, remembering the prisoners is a very radical statement, I would say, because they weren't like prison cells like we have today. <laughs> um, a lot of prisons we, we know of, they, they maybe have a good life. They have Foxtel, some of them. They actually enjoy soft, comf comfortable beds. In fact, in this day and age, when they were imprisoned for the faith of Jesus, they were left with no resources. They weren't given food or, or water or creature comforts. In fact, that would be for the family or the Christians that represented or, or uh, said, this is my brother and sister, to bring them resources, but to also carry that same shame of knowing he's my crucified Messiah. And so this is the exhortation to a church that's going through suffering, but also asked to remember the prisoners as if you were in those very prison cells with them. It's an extreme exhortation, and therefore it would be hard for us to forget them if we thought we were going through their same sufferings. In fact, Jesus, many times in the Bible, including in Acts, when he gives his revelation to Saul, identifies exactly with the persecuted Christians that Saul is going to um, persecute in Damascus. He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul's response is, who are you, Lord? And he responds, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. And I wanted to maybe leave this question with you as we go through more of our text. Do you feel like you're being persecuted? Because it says in Hebrews that we are of the same body. And for me, these are challenges more than anything. I'm not saying this to, to throw this at you and say you should do better, but it actually, as a millennial, 
as you know, someone that thinks they're going through some sort of difficulty in life, I need to hear this more than anything. And that's why my brothers and sisters who are persecuted spur me on to, to know Jesus' faithfulness and his grace above our trials. And so Paul writes this in Colossians 4.18. I write with this, uh, this greeting in my own hand, remember my chains. Also in Timothy, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in the sufferings of the gospel by the power of God. Again, same context. We would carry their sufferings. We would carry their shame going to, to visit them. And in, in the very prison cells they're in, um, there may be some writing cut off, but I wanted to give you an overview just briefly of what persecution for Christians look like in 2021-2022 statistics. In fact, it may shock you to see that 360 million Christians live under hostile persecution for their faith around the world. (laughs) That number is astounding. If we were to take Sydney by itself and and maybe join forces, if that's ever possible, with Victoria, we would have 5 million plus 5 million. You would need to multiply those two together 36 times to get the amount of Christians that are persecuted under heavy restriction, hostile restriction for their faith. But I would ask the question, are they ever on the ABC News or SBS News spoken about on... Instagram or Facebook, 360 million. And of those numbers, on a daily average, 16 Christians will die for their faith daily, on a daily average. That number two years ago used to be 13. 17 will be unjustly detained and imprisoned. Again, in the brackets, that number has risen nearly 30% in the last two or three years. In fact, Christianity has experienced persecution ramped up over the last 16 years consecutively. I know these are a lot of numbers, but they're astounding to me, Um, and I hope they impact you of how many brothers and sisters bear testimony and a witness for Jesus under trial. Persecution may take the form of beatings, uh, harassment. A lot of the times in um, Islamic countries, it's forced reconversion. Sometimes, or a lot of the times with that, that's rape or kidnap, um, you know, unspeakable things, all in the name of their ideology. Um, and therefore, we can be challenged by a testimony. This is a lady, um, I'm not too sure if you can see all of the writing. This is a lady named Din. She's from Vietnam, and I'll just tell you the short story. There will be more testimonies I'll follow through before I go through Genesis 18. But she, in, uh, during the COVID pandemic, a lot of the authorities, especially in poorer rural areas like Vietnam, in India, in um, Myanmar, they used to push their own agenda. And so a lot of the times what they would do is go to these areas, marked out Christian houses in these poor villages. And what the authorities did one day 
was they had a sheet of paper. They went to Din's door. She's a, a mother who's 49 years old, and she's actually got a, a couple of young kids. For her, she hadn't been able to work through the COVID pandemic and also give sustenance to her family. And the authorities knocked on her door one day, and they asked her, we've got provision for you, Din. We've got resources. If you would only sign this sheet of paper to denounce your faith in this village, you're disturbing the spirits in this area, and you're causing all sorts of difficulties for many villagers. If you would only sign to renounce your faith, this provision we've got here will be able to bless your family. Then faithfully, as a witness of Christ, said, no, I'm going to continue to trust the Lord for provision. And to their disgruntlement, a month later, they came back with the same question, but a little bit more agitated, knocked on her door again and asked, if you don't sign this paper, there's going to be consequences. And she said, I trust my Lord and Savior to provide for me. And what they did proceeded to go towards the kitchen where there was a, a boiling hot pot on the stove. And they sat it down and they poured the boiling hot water all over her lap. Um, because she's a Christian, she doesn't have health care. Um, you know, a lot of the time they don't have much provision or any uh, sort of uh, advantages in that community. But through her holding steadfast in her faith, there's many agencies, including Voice of the Martyrs, that heard about the story and we were able to, through the prayers of many, help brothers and sisters, but also to be a witness in that community of how Christians love each other, how they hear the cries of their brothers and sisters going through any suffering. And this is a great witness to a Buddhist community. Um, in communist communities, uh, you know, Vietnam now in 2022, you can read this on our website and, and on the Morning Star. It's starting to look a lot more like old Soviet communist persecution or even China, where Bibles are being banned or, or uh, prayer meetings and gatherings are being banned. If they were going to have a church service, they would need to reg register that church service through the government, but also be highly monitored. And this is recent, 2022. So Vietnam needs your prayers as much as any other country. The context of Hebrews 13.3, before we go into Genesis 18, is this. Is that philonexia is the word that's used there. But it says, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, the word, the Greek word, philodelphia, means brotherly love, and it actually, exia, means from the same womb. Born-again Christians, as if we were coming from the same birthplace. Philonexia means hospitality or friend to strangers. And I believe this is what, radically, Abraham shows. Because we may be a bit confused with that passage. Some have entertained angels. I don't know if that puts anyone on the edge, um, or maybe a bit uneasy uh, if they may have passed the opportunity of entertaining an angel. Maybe they were too busy at that time. 
or, or you know, needed to have some tasks uh, done, and so they couldn't actually provide provision or uh, just be welcoming and encouraging to a brother and sister. Abraham, as we see in verse 20, uh, if we're able to shift, uh, just so they can see the verses, if you're able to shift to chapter 10, we'll quickly go through a couple of pointers of why Abraham's example of a test, an unannounced test, is so radical. And And I believe this is what the Hebrew writer is actually referring to. Actually, it's put next to Genesis 19 of how Lot, and Sodom and Gomorrah save God's messengers, messengers, angels as well. But this is the Lord himself that visits Abraham. And he appears in many times, as we see in the Old Testament, as a, a great pillar of fire, of the Shekinah glory of you know, a, a, cr- a cloud that leads Israel through the wilderness to deliverance. But in this very passage, he actually comes and he's represented eight times the word is used as a man. He came as a man, unannounced, and testing Abraham's resolve. In verse 2, if we can follow uh, that Abraham doesn't do what I sometimes do, um, he has a, a very good example. He actually runs hurriedly as a 99-year-old man to his guest or the strangers that are coming towards him. I mean, what? I mean, Abraham could have an excuse. I mean, I don't know how a 99-year-old man runs. Um, you know, maybe a miraculous thing in itself. But he hurriedly goes to meet these guys while he's sitting at the entrance of his gate. Um, many times for myself, and I'm not too sure about you in the busy lifestyle that you have, you know, you may see someone in the shop and, it may be a Christian, they're wearing a Christian t-shirt or you notice them from another church and you, know, you just hope they don't notice you because you're in a rush to get somewhere. Um, you need to maybe do some tasks or um, sometimes maybe we have a, a friendly catch-up with someone just to say hello and we'd say, well, let's have a coffee sometime. Let's catch up. Uh, but you know in your heart of hearts, <laughs> this is just something you say to be polite. Uh, hospitality to strangers. And I'm not saying this should be every time, but I I think Abraham's example is so radical that he not only runs to these strangers, but he bows low to the ground to meet them. What a sign of reverence, of, of accepting, of humility. You may say that may be just a cultural norm. He could be just doing this to put on a show. But I I don't believe that is true because what follows is actually just as radical in the nature of Abraham to show love and hospitality to strangers. In verse 2, we see that. And then in verse 6 and 8, for myself, if I was maybe going to entertain someone that was a, a visitor or a saint, I'm not saying that you should do this for me. This is not why I'm telling this story. Uh, but, you know, it could be McDonald's, coffee is a nice way to catch up. It's quick, it's easy, cheap. Um, but you wouldn't really consider Barangaroo taking them to, like, the fine dine restaurants. 
uh, as something that would be, you know, I want to save a bit of money this week. The budget's a little bit tight. Uh, but for me, Abraham just goes above and beyond to exceed. He actually runs to Sarah uh, as a traditional man. Maybe he can't or can cook. I'm not judging him. Uh, but he runs to Sarah to say, can you get the best flour that you have to knead dough? And actually, it exceeds the portion for three men. He goes above and beyond, but also making milk and yogurt. But on top of that, he actually chooses the, the best calf that he has, the fattened calf. Maybe as a representation of the prodigal son, I'm not sure, um, for the things to come, but he chooses the best that he has. As a foreigner, as a stranger in the land that he's in, Abraham's a thousand miles from where God called him from. He's a stranger in his own land. He's 99. But yet, in his heart, it's actually his joy to serve this uninvited and also unannounced guest. Uh, for me, the most troubling thing is that Abraham actually uses this word in verse 3. He says, it will be my favor to be able to put up hospitality for you. If you can read in verse 3, translations may be different, but it says Abraham considered it his pleasure to put up hospitality, to bless these brothers and sisters, as if it wasn't enough that he just you know, gave a best banquet, uh, ran to meet them. And so you may be asking the question, why does Abraham do this? Why this when no one's watching? You know, it could be anyone that visited him. But Abraham, I believe, knows the purpose of his life, knows the purpose of what it means to be a blessing. Jesus called, or God called him in Genesis 12, that I will make you a blessing. I will bless you so much in order that you are able to bless the nations and witness for me. I believe Abraham knows the purpose of which he was called. And so for us, he's our, you know, an example of faith. It says in Hebrews 11 that he was made a stranger in a land that he did not know. But yet, this is how he reacts. And for us, it could be an example of how not only the people around us, but maybe when we hear about the stories of our brothers and sisters who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, how do we receive them into our hearts? Because in fact, later on it goes on to say in Genesis 18, and I'm not going to go too long in this before some testimonies, but Abraham actually intercedes. Hospitality Showing love and hospitality for each other actually goes hand in hand with intercession. He intercedes to the Lord. There's no reason that he should. Um, I'm trying to find this quote um, that Abraham or that is actually used, and I think it's a it's a great illustration to say that hospitality, if we're really going to show true love for someone we would go be above and beyond what we could physically give them or benefit them with, but actually to ask for the Heavenly Father to bless them with things that we cannot give them. And that is 
For me, true love as an example, to intercede, to stand in the gap for, to pray for um, Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. Lord, will you destroy the city even if there's five righteous people? Like he has the audacity, even now the Lord has revealed himself as Yahweh, to ask these questions. And I believe the Lord visited him because he's actually trying to elicit intercession out of Abraham. There's no real reason why he has to visit there. He could just go to Sodom and Gomorrah directly. Uh, but he says, shall I reveal, he says these in one of these, uh, in the verses in chapter 18, shall I reveal to Abraham what I'm about to do in Sodom and Gomorrah? He asks that question, why? Because he's looking for someone to stand in the gap, to intercede, to show true hospitality. In fact, we may have seen in the video last night, um, and I think this strings well with the testimony of the founders or, or Richard and Sabina Wombrand, who were persecuted mercilessly 17 years of communist persecution. In fact, Richard was sick with TB at, later in his time in prison, and it showed it in the movie. He was only supposed to, and on average, a saint would only survive two and a half to three weeks of what they labelled as the room of death. But yet, the Lord had greater plans for him. He actually survived three years in this room, ministering to people on their deathbed, praying for them. And many came in, as they say, came in firmly believing that they were atheists, that there was no way God would forgive them if there was a God. But yet, Richard, by the power of the Holy Spirit, many of them stood in the gap, interceding, not only for the saints suffering in prison, but also for those who were lost. And I believe it, it, the Holy Spirit will convict us of who we are called to be, is called to be a blessing under the worst circumstances, starved, beaten daily, yet interceding. <laughs> for me, it blows my mind. Um, and the church at that same time was praying. Uh, Richard and Sabina uh, were ransomed. In fact, they were put on death row under the Nazis three times until the church intervened. You could say it was an angel, I don't know, but ransomed under the communist oppression for 10,000, and the Lord now has established a ministry worldwide in, 86, uh, in 68 countries for the last 53 years now to help persecuted brothers and sisters. And for me, this is a great joy because it's like, how great is God's wisdom? They were supposed to die. <laughs> they were supposed to have no hope. But now the Lord has established a, a fortress against the enemy. Um, the first voice of the martyrs, in case you're wondering, was planted in Blackheath, so it's Australian-owned. And I'll just quickly go through one quick video, and then um, a couple of more testimonies, and then we'll close. Jesus said to his followers, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. And to this day, all over the world, they still do. But Jesus promised more, that those who suffer for his namesake would not be forgotten. Today, Voice of the Martyrs operates in 68 countries around the world. 
reaching out through persecution response, through Bible distribution, and through frontline ministry. We will share their stories. We will mobilize the body of Christ to stand together with our brothers and sisters who face persecution wherever it happens. We will serve our persecuted family through practical and spiritual assistance. And we will carry on the mission of the one who called us, Jesus Christ, who said go and make disciples of all nations, no matter the cost. Persecuted Christians, as we understand, as much as the strangers that were given hospitality by Abraham cannot repay us in, money, in any physical form. In fact, they pray for us, for us to be wise, to wake up to what may be a comfortable life. But also, their first request many times is, can you pray for me? that I will be a bold and continue to be a bold witness for Jesus Christ amidst my persecution. That is always normally the first request. Um, Bibles is another thing. I, I don't have enough time to go through as much, but I wanted to bless you with some of these resources that um, we can hand them out or, or even pass them around. Just to have a look, There's, these resources will be free for you. Thank you, Derek. It's my, the model, good model today. <laughs> um, but if you would like to receive our newsletter, the latest one was actually on uh, Uzbekistan. The one before that was in China. Brothers and sisters that are going through a difficult time in China. And if you wanted to receive that monthly, you'd be able to receive the physical form as much as the email. Uh, we'd just uh, ask that you'd stand with the persecuted church. Um, again, these things are free. And just one more slide before I go on a couple of testimonies. The projects, five of the funds that we have, the only funds that will stay here is the fifth fund. So Voice of the Martyrs Ministry Fund for uh, resources, marketing, and, and wages. The ones that go all out on the field. In fact, this was Richard and Sabina's heart. 100% of it would go to impact directly to what it's uh, caused. So Din had needed medical assistance, also Bibles, and so those things would go directly in the field to assist with what she needed, and it's also fully tax deductible in case anyone's uh, wanting to, I mean, it's highly monitored. But for me, I think, and, uh, and uh, there was another testimony that I was going to share later on of Pastor John Chow. I don't know if we have enough time. Plenty of time? Okay. These two testimonies, I think, for me, have convicted me so much this year. This is a brother, as you can see, um, the scars on his face. Uh, his name is Dan Juma. He's 13 years old, and he, he grows up in northern Nigeria. Um, if you look at the statistics we were looking at before, Nigeria, northern Nigeria, is actually the most violent place to be a Christian in the world. We know of Afghanistan, we know of North Korea, we don't know fully the statistics, but North Nigeria, there's some terrible things that happened under the hand of Boko Haram, Fulani herdsmen, Iswap, and these are all radicalized African groups from ISIS. So we can see how they're infiltrating further down the south of Africa. 
And so uh, there's been recent attacks in southern Nigeria, but in fact, in northern Nigeria, you'll find many widows. Um, a lot of the time, they have Sharia law, so you'll find many people with missing limbs. And I don't know if that's a challenge to you, if you'd come to church one day, and there'd be a brother and sister in the room with a missing limb, but still raising you know, their voices to praise the Lord. What a challenge that would be to us. Um, and to go on to Dan Juma's story, this is the context I want to share his story in. It was 2013, at 6 a.m. in the morning, a thousand insurgents flooded through this Christian area marked out by uh, Boko Haram. And at 6 a.m. in the morning, you're still a bit bleary-eyed. You know, maybe some need two coffees by that time to function. I'm not sure. But Dan Juma, as soon as he heard the gunshots, he ran and fled for the forest, as you do. In fact, on this day, 23 brothers and sisters were martyred. Um, 48 were severely injured. Um, and as he ran for the woods, they got hold of him. Unfortunately, he didn't make it. Um, and they proceeded to gouge out his right eye. Um, you can see the scars on his left eye is nearly, the eye is nearly out of its socket as well. In fact, he's legally blind now. Um, but not only that, they proceeded to cut through his left side, but also to castrate him. I don't know what goes through a person's mind to think this is in the name of their God. But Dandruma um, is actually known as a miracle in his village. The reason why is because he lost so much blood. They actually started to dig his grave. The villagers started to dig his grave. And as they carried him there, he started to wiggle and squirm. And they realized he was alive, rushed him 25 kilometers away to the hospital. And he was deemed by the doctors, that he lost so much blood, he shouldn't be alive. Um, the amazing thing about Dan Juma's story is that he's legally blind, but he's continued to trust in the Lord so much that he's actually gone to Bible college, learning Braille, and gone to Bible college to learn the Scriptures. There's one reason why you'd learn the Scriptures, to be able to witness your faith. This young man still trusts in the Lord after all that he's gone through. Maybe wanting to start a family one day, um, obviously, is complicated for him. But I wanted to share um, somewhat of how he reacts as well when we ask him, what does he think about the persecutors? He says this, I forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. If they had any love, they wouldn't behave that way. I do not feel any burden. I have allowed God to handle everything. When we ask him what would his message be to young people, they say, God knows how I should be, and therefore I'm okay and have peace about that. You should continue to trust the Lord and know that he has a plan for your life. This is a spirit-filled Christian, someone that is not reacting in his flesh or natural way. And for me, it's a conviction to learn about these testimonies, to see God's wisdom and glory among the worst evil. But also, as the church was praying 
uh, as I come back to Genesis 18 and Hebrews 13.3, we were able to fund these things for him. And now the testimony is not only of Dan Jume, but the church together, being the hands and feet of the Lord Jesus. They will know, they will know me because of their love. We will be the hands and feet. This is what we aim to do, as I know there's many prayer warriors in this place. I know Pastor David is so passionate about things to come, about the persecuted church, that he's a prayer warrior and someone that I'm being mentored by. Praise God. Um, I'll maybe skip this video. I just wanted to, I mean, it's Christmas care. Uh, There's one testimony that I want to share with you, and and I hope it's still on the slides. It's a pastor that is imprisoned in China at the moment. And it's his message to not only the CCP government, but also to you, church. I know I only have a couple of more minutes. But International Day of Prayer, if you can mark this date on your calendars, this will be a day where hundreds of thousands of churches all around the world in 130 countries will be praying specifically of a time of devotion for the persecuted church. It's the second and uh, first weekend of November. So if you wanted to do that in your Bible studies, I've got a presentation that you can run with or using the newsletters. It's completely up to you. But how powerful of all of those voices, intercessors coming together to intercede for our brothers and sisters. This is a joint operation with different missions as well. Evangelical Alliance is one of them too. Um, there's an opportunity for you to scri- subscribe and get newsletters. Oh, there it is. Praise God. So Pastor John Chow is someone, and I wasn't intentionally going to share this because I knew my time was short, but he's actually someone that has been imprisoned in China for the last five years. Why? He was actually ministering in Myanmar to uh, the Wa State people, a people group that would never have any education otherwise they they're very um, tribalistic in their ways poverty stricken pastor john cow is actually someone that is should be a u.s citizen he lived in uh, usa for 30 years that's his wife and his family benjamin and i think the other brother is enoch and his wife karen and he's able to now uh, share comfort to them of what the lord is doing in the prison cell But Pastor John Chow helped establish 16 schools. He actually spurred on many missionaries, teachers, scripture teachers, to go and help the people in Myanmar. But to actually get there, you can't drive there. There's no highway to get to the schooling area. You actually have to hike through really hard wilderness about six hours just to get there. But such was the calling on this man's life. He actually refused to take citizenship in the USA because he knew that would impede his mission work in China. He's someone that uh, does a lot of work in South China with the, um, the house group churches, not the self uh, three patriotic churches. So he does a lot of work, and I believe this is what marked him as a target for the authorities. And... In, I think it was 2017, they first detained him uh, for illegally crossing borders. <laughs> it's got nothing to really do 
with the authorities as much as him helping and doing humanitarian aid. In fact, he was going to be awarded with a local award from the Chichen, uh, Chichen people, but he now is in prison for doing good. But this is the message that he has to you, church, and I'll close with this, but also to the CCP government. For me, it is one of the most profound things because it sounds something like Pauline. And I hope this comforts you, but also spurs you on to pray. Pastor John Chow says this, Rejoice with me, because I count it as a privilege to suffer with my Lord. He says this three times in the letter. You can take away my freedom, but you cannot take away my prayers. My prayers have wings leaping over the iron mesh high wall. Many brothers and sisters have heard them today, and they fly freely every day, reaching the heavens. He's talking about us. You can impose heavy punishment on me, but you cannot hold my soul and my spirit. It is like a cheerful yellow bird singing praises on the iron gate. My saviour must have heard them by now. You can deprive me of the sun. I eat leftovers with coldness every day, but you cannot extinguish the brightness that the Lord has placed in my heart. Greetings and prayers from all over the world make me warm. My spirit is comforted. Do you think that I'm lonely? Have you ever seen a Christian in 70 years of CCP persecution be lonely? You think that persecution can stop the church? Indeed, how ignorant you are. What a, a profound message to write that while you're still going imprisonment in a, in a prison cell. And we watched the video last night. You can watch it on YouTube too. This is just a hint of some of the struggles that our brothers and sisters go through. And in that mindset, he's writing this, that the prayers of the saints comfort him and make him warm. Um... God is an amazing God. And so I would like to end there just in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that we are part of one body. And when one part of the body suffers, help us to be convicted to, to pray and to suffer as we, we were going through those same trials of the, the wives, the, the cries that are not heard or, or posted on TV. Um, Lord, the infants that are struggling to see that they have a father, but we pray, Lord, as the church comes around them to pray for them, to, to partner with them, they would feel the love of the father. And so, Lord, help their testimonies to convict our own hearts as Dan Juma forgives those who nearly ended his life, Lord. Help that forgiving power to convict our hearts to to heal and wash over relationships that are fractured in our own families, in our own communities. Lord, I, I pray that your word would convict hearts to really live out the blessed life that you have called us to be. 
to not think of ourselves, but actually to honor our brothers and sisters higher than ourselves, as Jesus Christ did. So Lord, we we pray that you would just have your word work in our hearts to transform each and every heart here. And we thank you for the faithful prayers of this church that stands for our brothers and sisters, that is discerning and well aware of the evil schemes of the devil. But your word says that we have triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And we do not choose to love our own lives as to shrink from death. So Lord, we pray that in your name. Amen.